Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is uh, Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church in Monroe, Michigan, encouraging thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connecting you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. We are here today um, continuing our walkthrough of Baptist ecclesiology, what we as Baptists believe about the church, um, what it is, how it should function, where it comes from, what its job is, and so on. So we have talked about the church of Jesus Christ is a kingdom that Jesus has instituted in this world. Um, He calls us into it and he puts us together as his body, as a corporate body. And uh, last time we talked, we talked about um, how he calls uh, within that body um, elders slash pastors slash bishops slash overseers, whatever term you want to use, and deacons. He puts together these two offices in the church. Um, This week we want to, as we're walking through uh, chapter 26 of the Second London Baptist Confession, this is kind of like a a model for us to kind of walk through um, what Baptists believe about the church. We're going to ask this question today. Uh, What should the ministry of the word look like in particular local churches? What should the ministry of the word look like in our churches? And so um, I want to read this. These are, we're going to look here. If you're looking at the 1689 Baptist Confession, also known as the Second London Baptist Confession, you can see these are chapters. uh, This is in chapter 26, paragraphs 10 and 11. I'll read them and then we will uh, dive in together in our discussion uh, today. So this is paragraph 10. The work of pastors being constantly to attend the service of Christ in his churches and the ministry of the word and prayer with watching for their souls as they that must give an account to him. It is incumbent on the churches to whom they minister, not only to give them all due respect, but also to communicate to them of all their good things according to their ability. So as they may have a comfortable supply without being themselves entangled in secular affairs and may also be capable of exercising hospitality towards others. And this is required by the law of nature and by the express order of our Lord Jesus, who has ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And then paragraph 11, right after that, it says this, although it be incumbent on the bishops or pastors of the churches to be instant in preaching the word by way of office, yet the work of preaching the word is not so peculiarly confined to them that, but that others also gifted and fitted by the Holy Spirit for it and approved and called by the church may and ought to perform it. So these two chapters really are focusing upon the ministry of the word in the context of the local church. Um, So the first thing I think is going to be helpful before we talk about pastors preaching and then other people who are not pastors preaching um, and and the the whole relationship and the way that works, I think it's important, first of all, to talk about what do we mean when we are talking about the ministry of the word? What is it and why is it important? Uh, Why is it important for our local church and for the Christian faith. So what is the ministry of the word? How would you define that if someone was to say, what is this? I think first and foremost, you probably think about the preaching on Sunday morning would probably be the head of that, um, that it's done correctly according to the word of God, um, honorably, right, to to the Lord as well. From there, it would probably branch out, at least in a local church setting nowadays, to also your uh teaching ministry that you would have. So uh, that could include like Sunday school. It could include Bible studies, men and women's Bible studies. It can, it goes down all the way to like the children's um, classes and what they're learning and teaching. And it's, it's the job of the pastors to oversee that they're not necessarily um, doing all the teaching in all of those instances, but they are definitely overseeing it. They're driving the curriculum um, now the preaching is probably, it should be the pastors doing that all the time. Um, but they, they oversee all of the ministry of the word. So basically the, the teaching and making sure that it's done correctly and that it's done, uh, well, right. Um, you are to protect the flock and care for them. And the way that the pastors does that is through the ministry of the word. So, so how do you combat a false teacher? You can only do that through the ministry of the word, 
right? To, to, to go to them and say, you're not doing the ministry of the word correctly because what you're saying is wrong here uh-huh. in the word. Uh-huh. You can only do that through the ministry of the word, nothing, uh-huh. nothing else. And that's one of the roles of the pastors to protect the flock from false teaching. Right. Right. Um, so I think it can get complicated what the ministry of the word is, but it's, it's the teaching ministry of the, of uh-huh. the church and overseeing that. Right. I mean, I'll just use, we've talked about the illustration of how pastors are shepherds, but we're really under shepherds of Christ and it's Christ who ministers to his church mm-hmm. through us. But the way that he ministers through us to his church is through his word. So our work as pastors is to be word focused, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever we give to them, feeding the sheep, so to speak, um, allowing Christ to minister to them through his word. And so t- for us to do our job, right. we have to use the word in that. And Tim broke that down very well that it, you know, you can kind of look at it from the top of preaching, but it also goes through other ways of teaching. I would even add to that counseling, you know, people who need to meet with you, like any time a pastor would counsel a person, all we're really trying to do is minister the word to them in a very one-on-one specific way. Right. Um, But that, that's our work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of that is word work. We're just taking the scriptures, Christ using us, um, to apply it to the hearts and minds of, of other people. Um, and you, and you talked about the, the, the most public and primary in place is, is preaching. Um, and I've got this quote from, uh, the ministry of the, on the ministry of the word on preaching from, uh, an old Baptist from, uh, named Robert Purnell. This is from the 1650s. He wrote this, but I thought this was, this was pretty good. He says the business of preaching is to make new creatures and to turn lions into lambs. The preacher is but an instrument in the hand of God to make an unbeliever to believe he is God's workmanship. An axe makes no artificial thing, but by influence from the artificer. Neither doth a pen write, but by his help that handles it. So preachers and preaching is but instrumental in the hand of the Spirit to make you Christ. So what he's trying to get at is that preaching is used by God, by the Father, in the Son, by the Spirit, to take men from being sinners to who are unbelievers to becoming believers in Jesus Christ. And we are only instruments in his hands that do that. But ultimately the power from beginning to end is all God's. Do you think we should talk real quick about why preaching is the first? Cause I'm afraid some people yeah. might not think yeah. that, right? Some right. people might think, uh, well, no, we really get down in Sunday school and mm-hmm. really learn or, Sure. In my personal private devotions as I yeah. read my Bible, that's yeah. really the the most important time sure. in the Word of God. But the Bible tells us something else, right? Right. That it's the preaching yeah. in the local church. Yeah, and you see that you see that consistently in the old and the New Testaments that the public when we say public, by that we mean whenever the people of God are gathered together, mm-hmm. um uh, whenever that is publicly preached by authorized men, um, then that is the most, um, that is the primary way that God takes the word of God in the Bible and applies it to our hearts. And part of that, I think at the very core of that is because, um, there's something different that happens. Reading your Bible by yourself is a good thing to do and spiritually nourishes you, but there's something different that happens. Um, I, I, I guess this is what the way I would think of, you know, and there's one sense in which it is true that we are to preach the gospel to ourselves. That is, I understand what's being communicated by that. But there's also a real true sense in which that's impossible. Because to, I can't preach to myself. I need I need a preacher. I need somebody else to proclaim to me what Jesus Christ has done. And so there's something built into the message of Christianity, which is it's a gospel. It's an announcement of victory on the battlefield. And I need somebody else to come and tell me that it, it also comes down to authority, right? Yeah. God has established in his word, which we've been talking about in our sermons, but also in this series here on the podcast, that there are two offices of pastor elder, and then the deacon office, right. and they have been given authority and the authority given to the pastor is to feed the sheep through the preaching yes. of the word of God. And we see, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, yep. right? That you are to submit to your leaders, yes. right? Well, and also, in the in the history of the world, 
while it is good for us to be, make use of personal Bible reading, and I think we're going to be held responsible for being able to be literate and have Bibles, it's important to be reminded that in the history of the world, most people have not had that privilege. Right. So the primary way that mm-hmm. God has always, in all cultures and all times, communicates what's in the book is through public preaching mm-hmm. of authorized, gifted men. Yeah, and I think what the, my fear would be, the comeback to that would be, yeah, but we are literate, we can read now, so maybe that's passe. Mm. But no, that's not. We still right. need that. And that's what we're that's what we're saying the Bible yes. is speaking yes. to. it. That's not an old cultural thing. That's something that still needs to happen. That ministry of the Word yeah. still needs to take place. And... Um, we were talking about that this weekend at the men's conference with the speaker a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, that people start to think, well, my Bible study time is better than what I'm hearing preached or, you know, or Sunday school or whatever. And that shouldn't, that's not true. Mm-hmm. If you're right. in a good church where the preaching of the word is being taught faithfully according to the word of God, mm-hmm. then what actually is best for you is to sit under that preaching right. regularly. If you have to give up mm-hmm. one thing, yeah, your, your daily devotional life, or going to church, you give up your daily devotional life. Right. That sounds crazy it to people to say. Yep. And we're not saying it's, it's, we're not, I'm not encouraging right. people to not pray every day. We yeah. have Bible reading plans. We have a Bible reading we plan. I'm not saying it's not a good thing to do. Yes. But we have to switch in our minds yeah. what is, you know, like, and I'll, I'll read this. This is the old Baptist catechism. And it says here, um, how is the word made effectual to salvation? It says this, the spirit of God maketh the reading but especially the preaching of the word Mm -hmm. an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. So it's emphasizing the spirit of God does use the reading of the Bible, but especially Mm -hmm. the preaching of the word. So, and this is God's order. This is God's plan. It's not man's plan. It's not, you know, these men who wrote that, they didn't come up with that on their own. It's according to the word of God, what we see in scripture, God has placed in order for church and a function. And it doesn't yeah. mean the pastors are already better than anybody no. else, but I think that's how it comes across a lot today. And that's what, sure. that's what's fearful. It's like, well, I know you said that pastor, but that's your opinion. Mm-hmm. My opinion is something different. And it's like, well, that shows a big lack of authority that, yeah. you know, yeah. in your inability to fall under authority or your unwillingness to fall under the authority of mm. the ministry of the word right. that's happening here at the church. So like there's churches I couldn't go to. Mm-hmm. I can't fall under the ministry of the word there because I don't really think it's the ministry of the word. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <clears throat> but if I'm at a church that I think they are ministering to me, they're giving me the word of God, then I have to fall under the authority of the pastor there mm-hmm. to sit under that mm-hmm. and to let him speak to me and to understand that it's Christ speaking to me through him. And I need to listen yes. to it. And this leads us kind of now into the ministry of the word, what are they to preach? And again, I'm going to quote from this, this Robert Purnell um, book. He says it is un. So what, so I guess what are they supposed to preach? What's the content? And he says, it is undoubtedly the duty of all ministers to preach Jesus Christ unto the people. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for his sake. We no sooner read that Paul was converted, but the next news of him is, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. Christ is to be preached because the preaching up of Christ is the only way to preach down Antichrist or whatsoever makes against Christ. Again, Christ is to be preached because this is the only way to save and win souls to Jesus Christ If any ask further what a minister is to preach, then I answer, he is to preach the gospel, and he is to preach the law, for so did Christ and his apostles. But the gospel is to be preached chiefly and mainly, but the law accidentally and occasionally, as will more fully appear in the following discourse. So he's going to go there. That's an interesting way to put it, accidentally. Well, I I think, yeah, 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 it's the old use of the word accidentally. Yeah, 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 yeah. His emphasis there is... Yeah, we preach the law, but we only preach the law as a schoolmaster to get you to Jesus. Yeah, and that's something, right, that we all need to be reminded of and remember, is that the law has a purpose. Yeah. But the purpose is not salvation or, no. or any. The, the law strictly shows me who I am before God, yep, that's right. which is guilty. And yep. so then if, if all you're doing is preaching the law, you're just leaving people <laughs> trembling mm. all the time, right? Oh, my gosh. Or self-righteous. Or self-righteous, yeah, of Oh, I did not cheat on my wife this week. I'm good, right? Right. But so, so real quick, yeah. what what do you mean whenever you mean law? Just so people could, I mean, you could say the Ten Commandments. Yeah. You you say what what uh, God had given Moses to give to the people 
This is the law. This is this is what you must obey to be in covenant with me. Any command, any command, all, all the commands that we see in the Old Testament, and we have in the com- new, in the new, right? Yeah, we have commands from Jesus and all all these different things. That's the law. Yeah, and the law is very easy to preach at mm-hmm. times. It's so easy to come up with a sermon with points because you're like, well, we're going to do the first five commandments today. I got five points. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And we'll all be good to go. Right. But the the problem that comes with the law is the law doesn't bring grace. The, the law doesn't give us anything. The law just simply is telling me, Tim, you can't match this. Mm-hmm. So it leaves me helpless and hopeless. Right. But that's why what you had read there is so important. He says, but we preach the gospel. And so what is needed is the gospel message and, and like the accidentally getting to the law is like, you are going to talk about the law because yes. the law is necessary because yep. people need to see that they're, what they're standing before God, but you can't leave them there. You have to tell them the grace that God has provided to them through the blood of Christ, mm. which is offered for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And you need to make that offer and you need to constantly be reminding people. Cause even if you have a congregation of all saved people, they're all saved. And it, you might feel comfortable enough one Sunday to say, you know what? I'm just going to give them some law today. Guys, we need to do better serving each other. That's law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do better serving each other. Right. If you leave them at that, they're going to have a horrible week. Right. Because mm-hmm. none of them are going to do it well. Mm-hmm. Every single person mm-hmm. is going to fail. Yep. And when they get there the next week, <laughs> at least this will be in my mind, please don't say that again. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way with like cards, write down somebody you're going to share the gospel with this week. I don't share the gospel with them that week. And they're like, did you share the gospel with your person? If you didn't, why not? Yeah. Yeah. And And it's just like, like, because I'm a loser, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I'm a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not the purpose of coming here. I I want people to see their losers and failures. Yes. But I want people more importantly to see that. Christ died right. for losers and failures. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't, there's an answer. wasn't it Martin Lloyd Jones that said preaching is, you know, the, the law knocks people down mm-hmm. and, and breaks them, but then the gospel, the good news, yeah. brings them up in hope and yeah. shows them their need. And that's, right. I think that's that's the key. Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. And you have to have both, right? Both, you right, you yeah. preach both. But yeah. if you're going to lean one way or the other, you need to lean in grace. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's what saves people. Yep. It's not the law. And, and we can see that with... Uh, we can see that with prison. We can see that with our laws in our country. The, I mean, I've heard people say so many times, prison isn't working. Well, it's because it's kind of law, right? Sure. And law doesn't change people. Now, we can scare people right. to change at times, right? You can scare people, uh, but that doesn't really do anything. It doesn't change their heart. It doesn't, they're just they're just fearful about themselves. It's still yeah. about themselves. That's not what this uh, gospel is about. Mm. It's about a, a changed heart, which can only happen when God shows you his grace. Right. And that it's available and yeah, that it's free. Yeah, the law goes around and tells us everything that we're supposed to do. And there's nothing wrong with the law because we ought to do those things. Yeah. The problem is, is we're sinners. And then the gospel comes and makes no demands on us, but only gives promises. Mm-hmm. I, I heard it once described in a in a novel a book that I read one time. And he, he talked about how as a gospel preacher, he felt as like he was a man with a pardon that had been given to him to take to all the world, to go to all these prisoners and show them the pardon that is found in Jesus Christ. And that's what gospel preaching is, is mm-hmm. to declare that Jesus Christ, the God in heaven, is willing and offers and proclaims pardon to every person there and calls them to receive it by faith mm-hmm. and to trust it. The God, the law says you're condemned. The gospel says you're justified. You know I mean? There's the, some of the old writers would have great ways of distinguishing law and gospel with these different, the law says this, the gospel says that, but that's what it does. The law says do the gospel says done. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. And the problem is, is like you said, um, churches, even churches that we would look at, big churches, mm-hmm. they'll preach the law, but they preach a very soft law. It'll be, you know, it's like, uh, it's the law without any pointy parts, any, any rough edges, but the law itself needs to be proclaimed fully. Yeah. 100%. You can't back down from it. So like no. a common response to the law now in a lot of bigger churches, I guess a lot of churches, we don't even have to say bigger is yeah. we know you're sinners and we're okay with that. Right. Right. That's not, we can't really say that. No. It should be, we know you're sinners and that's a problem. Right. Because you are going to die and go to hell in your sin. But we do have a solution for that. Right. 
and right. his name is Jesus. Right. 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 Who's, who solved that yeah. problem. Right. You have to, you have to say yes. both. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's important. And it, it's, it can be hard at times. Uh, cause when you're preaching, you get to passages that are clearly law mm-hmm. you know? yes. and you're like, this is law. And I have to, I have to say this. Mm-hmm. It is better to obey than to sacrifice or right, something like right, that, right? You right. get to that passage, and you're like, "Well, how am I gonna, yeah. how am I gonna preach this?" Yeah. Well, you got to say what it says, right? And and tell people about the law, but it you have to know also that it gets to Christ. So then, how do how does this passage function? How does this passage of law function as a schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus? Yeah, and the uh, and so like, even in that passage, yeah. I would think about Christ's obedience to the Father for us, which mm-hmm. led him to sacrifice himself yes. for yeah. us. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it, that's not jumping. That's not like doing some blind leap to Christ all the time. No, no it's a natural progression to him to yeah. say, look how he's Christ actually fulfilled this law for you. Even right. the obey part. Well, it's, it's, there's that old phrase that everything that God requires of us, he gives. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's kind of like, so even the command to believe and repent is, is law in one sense. It is the it is a law because you're commanded to believe and repent. That's not gospel in yeah. the commands. Yeah. But then the good news is, but God gives faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so everything good, He requires of us, He gives freely. I think a good example of this, and I don't know if the writer meant it this way, but David Platt wrote that book, Radical, which was very popular, mm-hmm. and uh, it had a lot of good points. There are a lot of things that as Christians we should be doing, probably, and caring more about. But he he started to say some stuff in that book that people started to cling to, and it became very law. Mm-hmm. Don't give the kids goldfish. Why are you wasting two fifty on that bag of goldfish in the nursery when you could take two fifty and send it to mm. Myanmar and feed a whole family for a week? You know, and there was all this guilt as you read this book yeah. because you just couldn't right. live up to it. Now again, I, I understand what the book is getting at, but you can see where it can start to be law heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even in the sermon this week, I talked about serving each other and how. Giving an example, like if your power goes out. You should be willing, though, to go help somebody else, even though your power is not restored yet. You're, you're okay or whatever. Now, there obviously has to be a balance to that. Do I mean that the person who makes sure their generator's up and running first is a sinner? No, mm-hmm. that's not the point. You know, that's not really what I'm getting at there. We are to serve each other. We are to put people first. But if you just yell that the whole time, it's, you're going to realize real quick how horrible you are the law also can't produce that yeah so you can say love but the law which is simply giving the command it has no power to create love no only the gospel has the power to create the thing that the law is commanding Mm -hmm. so law and gospel are not contrary to each other they actually work in tandem but they are distinct and that's why it's so important i mean we could talk about this for a whole episode about law and gospel but i thought um, that was the point no, this is, oh, there's other stuff we got to talk about, Tim. Okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Okay, let's move here real quick. So real quick, Jesus Christ behind the ministry of the word is the chief shepherd and preacher. Um, tying this this back to an earlier paragraph in this same um, confession that we read earlier, it says the Lord Jesus calls out of the world unto himself through the ministry of his word by his spirit, those that are given unto him by his father. So it's important again to remind ourselves when the ministry of the word in the context of the local church Jesus Christ is behind it all, calling sinners, those whom the Father has given him, he's calling them through the ministry of the word to himself. So remembering behind it all is him um, through the work of the Spirit in the word of, of Christ. So secondly, who does Jesus speak through in the ministry of the word? So in other words, who has he entrusted this ministry to? Who has he given this word to, to speak? And the first thing this, this confession, and we believe as biblical, is Christ speaks to us through pastors, called pastors or elders in the local church. The confession says, right, the, the work of pastors being constantly to attend the service of Christ in his churches in the ministry of the word and prayer with watching for their souls as they that must give an account to him. So first of all, Jesus Christ has entrusted the ministry of the word to pastors um, in the context of, of the local church. Anything you want to say about that? I think this is what should make every pastor little sick to their stomach because it's a big responsibility yeah i think you should take it very serious when you are studying the word of god to speak the word of god to the people of god it's 
It's not a small thing. And if I believe this too, then I have to believe that Jesus is going to speak through me to Mm -hmm. his congregation. And the last thing I want to do is not say something correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to abuse it. I want to do it well. I want to point them to him and to his truths in his word day in and day out. That's what I want to do. And so then sermon prep becomes very important. And that act of teaching becomes very important. Mm -hmm. No matter how many people are there. If there's three people there or three million people there, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I want to teach well. I want to do it right. I want to use the gifts that God's given me. I want to get better at it, right? I want to be minimized where I need to be minimized. All, all mm-hmm. that stuff goes into it. And right. so I think it needs to be took extremely serious Right. you do it. Yeah, it's so serious that Jesus instituted an, uh, an office to carry on specifically this activity mm-hmm. in the context of the local church. He gave apostles and evangelists and prophets to do this at a, an extraordinary level, mm-hmm. uh, but at the ordinary level of the local church, which is where we find ourselves today, it's been entrusted to these pastors, elders, overseers yep. um, to take the ministry of the word and publicly teach it and preach it in all sorts of contexts, but especially in the, the gathered worship of, of the church. And I like also, he says, watching for the souls, reminding us that the pastoral job is to watch over the flock that Jesus Christ has. It's his flock, and we're just called upon to yeah. be used by him to help watch out for them, to care for them, to love them, to feed them, um, mm-hmm. and, and all of those and all of those things. Um, if you think about Ezekiel, I think, is it 30? Two, thirty-three, thirty-four, around there. Yeah, where thirty-four. He, yeah, where he's like, "Woe to you, who shepherds who feed yourselves and not the flock." And then he uses the word "picture." You know, they're they're scattered and they're vulnerable to predators, basically. Yeah. You know, because you have not fed them. And I mean, what a what a daunting thing, you know. And and uh, that is, uh, you know, that is something for us to really mm-hmm. keep in mind that we are to feed the flock. We are to work hard. Paul says, you'll, you'll get to this too, you know, later on, Tim, you know, when you're going through Timothy, you know, second uh, Timothy where it says to, um, you know, show ourselves approved unto God by rightly handling the word uh, correctly. So mm-hmm. that, that is the task. Yeah. Yeah. To be used by God to shepherd, preach, teach, and, and, and watch over the souls of his people. But, but the, we're not the only ones according to this confession that can preach publicly in the context of the local church. Um, because the second paragraph says this, and this would be a good topic, I think, for discussion. It says, although it be incumbent on the bishops or pastors of the churches to be instant in preaching the word. In other words, ordinarily, and it's their, it's their, it's their job, basically, if I could put it that way, to be always preaching the word by way of office, because that's their office. That's their job. That's what they've been called to. Yet the work of preaching the word is not so peculiarly confined to them, but that others also gifted and fitted by the Holy Spirit for it and approved and called by the church may and ought to perform it. So here is a category of somebody who's not called to be a pastor or an elder, but yet they occasionally are able to preach the, 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 the word. But I think, again, it's very important to note they are called by the church to do this in this context. Now, one a little bit of a historical background is there was a phrase that our Baptist forefathers would use for people like this. They were called gifted brethren. So they were not regarded as pastors or elders. Um, they didn't have an office, but they were regarded as brothers in the church who did have a gift for teaching, but were not called to do this full-time as far as an office role. And so I've stolen this from a... Uh, thesis online from Southern Seminary, but it says gifted brethren. These are unordained lay preachers who had been formally recognized by their churches as having giftedness for public preaching and teaching. So these are brothers who um, were recognized by the church. I think that's very important. They were not just going up there on their own. The church actually recognized them as gifted, not for being pastors yet, and maybe in the future they would be, but they at least recognize their gifting for preaching. And so they would actually be called and approved by the church to then preach to the whole church. Um, obviously, I think as well, underneath the oversight of still the pastoral team of, of, of a local church as well, um, working alongside them. 
What do you guys think about this? Um, and how should this help us to um, understand the ministry of the word? Because there are churches and denominations that would have some issues with this um, that I think like, um, uh, I know that, you know, some, some people in the past, especially would think only pastors can preach, but there seems to be a category of people who are non pastors, but who are recognized as gifted to preach, but still within uh, the context of the church having this calling on them. What do you think about that? And um, how does that work in our church and, or how should it work? I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. If I'm being honest with you. Okay. Um, especially with us. I mean, we have four pastors on staff. And so it would be hard for me to find time for a gifted brethren to preach. Mm-hmm. That would be you. It would be us. That's what I was thinking is doing I, that. I think this, the way this is applied to an individual church really depends on that church. Yeah. Because like you said, at our church, there should should very rarely, unless it's intentional, right? It should very rarely be that we have to find somebody else to yeah, we, preach. We did have a class of people, and we let them preach on Sunday night. But I don't know if that was because we necessarily saw in them a gift. It was more to see if there is a gift there or calling there. Yeah, that was an intentional. So. That was yeah, an intentional yeah, moment. and I would say. The gifted brethren that I think of would be people that we try to have teach Sunday school. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, we see that they're good at teaching, that they enjoy studying the Word of God. They're not pastors uh, or hold an office necessarily within the church, but we see, you know, we think God has gifted you with this, and we entrust them to teach classes. Um, so not necessarily standing up in the in the pulpit. Um now, when I was a pastor by myself at a church, at, at a church, I did have a couple people in that church who felt like they had the gift of preaching, who I worked with, and actually and gave them opportunities sure. to preach yeah. if I was gone, or sometimes not often, but if I was there, it's like okay, I'm going to let you preach so I can hear it. Um, that could have been, I guess, this as yeah. well. Um, now, in the key context, I think here is well, first of all, right. In some of this, like you said, our circumstance is different because we have four pastors. Most churches don't have that. Right. Yeah. So, um, and this context, I would assume most of our Baptist churches in the past did not have a four pastoral, you know, for four, uh, team, four person team of pastors, um, when they were writing this. So there was, there's a category here created for, um, because they saw some, like, I guess, for instance, they would probably use somebody like Stephen. Stephen was not ordained as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was Philip, uh, the deacon Philip. Uh, but they were preaching as deacons in a public way. Um, and I'm assuming that examples like that would have been used as, well, there is some category for um, uh, non-ordained preaching. But, and this is the other caveat that I appreciate they gave, you're still called by the church, so the church still rec- the church you the church itself still has the final authority over who gets to be put in front of it to proclaim the word of God. Just like they call pastors, you can't. No one just can go in front of the church and present the word of God to everybody. They're even saying these people still have to be called and approved by the church to even do this. Mm-hmm. So there's a check already built into this this uh, understanding of, of the ministry of the word in the church. Yeah, it's not a free, what you're saying is it's not just open to anybody then right. to say, oh, well, this is me. Right. 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 I'm, I'm a gifted brethren. Right. Well, you know, you can no. say that about yourself. Is there a church behind you saying that as well? Yes. I think the other thing that this, this is paragraph 11 and just before it, paragraph 10, a, a huge chunk of paragraph 10 was not just about the ministry of the word, but the way that the church is supposed to support its yeah. pastors. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also addressing those who can preach but are not financially supported full-time by their church. Sure. Right? That, that that's not their occupation mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. Um, Robert, go ahead. I guess you can see it today, but some churches will, like, license men. Yeah. They're not, they're not ordained. They're not being called to a church, but mm-hmm. that the church recognizes that they have the gift of teaching, and so a church yeah. will license them mm-hmm. yeah. um, to be able to preach 
and uh, like in our in our thing that that would happen like within our association sometimes people need sometimes yeah. pastors will need someone to fill sure. in mm-hmm. and because we're in a, an association together they might say who do you have like license to preach and, right and and this is this used. kind of actually mm-hmm. ties in with a, a conversation we were having about um with the deacon thing where you said did you say that on the podcast uh, but uh, in the sermon about how we will we, yeah. we, 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 we put out a, a job resume for pastors and say, we need a pastor, but we don't do that with deacons. Well, in a sense, this gifted brethren is that category of right. raising up people yeah. within your church mm-hmm. to fulfill the function of pastor. Actually, um, Robert Purnell, that old Baptist guy from the 1650s, he gives some blessings that come to the church from the, the preaching of these gifted brethren, these unordained men. And uh, I'll give I'll give these blessings, but one of them ties into this, and we can talk about this. He says some of the blessings. He says God is. Uh, I'm kind of I've kind of reworded some of these, but God is glorified when the diverse gifts of God are manifested. First Peter four ten through eleven. He says the gifts of of the Spirit are not quenched, and then thirdly, men can be tested and tried to see if they might be called to become pastors. So he's highlighting that this is one of the ways in which it's kind of that 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 testing period you're kind of applying the 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 principle found in the deacon passage about let them be tested first you're kind of doing that with the preaching aspect here um, but it's an official call too mm-hmm. fourthly the truth of the gospel is preserved when more than one or two preach it so it's being disseminated through a larger group um, fifthly i don't know how he, this would happen and what this would look like in the church but he says debating and satisfying of doubts if any do arise and sixthly, edifying of the church and the conversion of others can happen through the preaching of gifted brethren. But I think that point three is is important um, because yeah. this is this is there there needs to be a a. I was talking to our our speaker John Moffat about this a little bit too because he's trying to instruct um, his church and men in his church, and and I was telling him in a sense it's like we're going to have to slowly help our pastors be realize that not only are you called to shepherd, but if we're to pass these things on to other trusted men in the context of our church, being a pastor also means at some level, I need to, I need to retake some of the responsibility of being a seminary prof in the context of my local church to train these gifted brethren. So we need to see the seminary. I'm not against formal seminaries, but there would, might be a thing where we need to recapture some of that at the local so church level. So what you're level. saying falls in line with ministry of the word, as we've yes. been talking about. And yeah. I think that's something that we've pushed aside as pastors to say, let the seminaries and colleges do that. Right. We right. don't have time for that or whatever. But no, I think I think we need to take that back. I mean, I think we need to uh, restore that within the church and that the church would see that as important, that mm-hmm. the pastor is looking for men in the church who uh, he thinks would be a good fit to maybe be pastors or to preach, but then in the end, it's the church who calls those people, not the pastors, right? Yeah. But right. but the pastors should be doing that work to help train up men to be ready for that. Because the fact is, I mean, like you said, we have four, yeah, which is a blessing. But if it was the 1800s and I'm preaching my heart out, I could die. Yeah. I could die the next day. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then what happens with the church? Right, and so I have to be ready for that as the pastor, yeah. not mm-hmm. say, "Well, they'll figure it out." No, it's I want them to be ready, and uh, so that there's somebody, yeah, who can who can take over, who right. can come in and preach the word, preach the word faithfully. And I, I do think that's something. I know it's something we've discussed as yeah. a staff. Is like we we need to be ready for this, and we need to be have the capabilities here to train somebody well, so that they can pastor a church yeah. faithfully mm-hmm. and know what that looks like and what mm-hmm. that means. And I hope that we can get to doing that and do it well uh, pretty soon. There's something else there talked about with like multiple people where it said uh, the truth of the gospel is preserved when more than one or two preach it. I see that because like even at the men's conference, you talk to some of the men and they're like, I'd never heard that before. And I'm like, I preached that two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Totally. But I know for me, it's very edifying to sit there and to hear somebody preaching and think they're saying what I've been trying to say. Mm-hmm. And it's very reassuring to know I'm not alone in this or that it, it helps to think, I hope I'm doing it right. I think I am. Cause he's saying the same thing right mm-hmm. now you know, that I've been trying to say, sure. yeah. or when one of you even will preach and you preach a pet and it's like, amen, amen. I can say amen to everything you're saying. You're not saying it how I would say it or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like, 
yeah, he's speaking the truth too. And our congregation is not just hearing it from me, but hearing it from him. And when we have the luxury of bringing people from the outside for special things like conferences and stuff to hear them, it's very, it's very edifying. Yeah. And it's yeah. also almost reassuring. Yep. And I hope it is for the men there to be like, oh, we heard our pastor say that same thing. Well, yep. it, it, yeah. it, it reminds me of what Paul says in Galatians that he, he went to the men in Jerusalem to make sure he had not run in vain. Yeah. And that's kind of what yeah, we're hoping good. was we, we mm-hmm. want to, we, as we we're like, as we hear other people preach to us and we preach to others and we, the ministry of the word, um, we're reminded and we're, we're reassured that we have not run in vain, that we do understand this message. And it's also a pride check, which is good for us sure. because mm-hmm. it's like, you heard him say that, which I'm telling you, I said two weeks ago, for some reason right. you didn't hear me say that, right. but you heard him say that, but I'm thankful sure. that God is at least allowed you to hear that now. Yeah. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, and so it is a pride check to realize, well, I'm not perfect, I guess. Right. How I'm doing it. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. No, God uses all of us in, <laughs> in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, la- lastly, underneath here, I, and this is not included in the confession, uh, before we get to the church's responsibility, which Scott was highlighting uh, to the ministry of the word, there's a sense too also in which Christ not only speaks through pastors or through gifted brethren, but through all believers. Um, the reality is, is we all have a ministry of the word at, at least when we get together for corporate worship. I mean, this is something we don't think often about, but every single one of us, when we show up to church, we have to teach because Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So when you're singing, you're teaching, um, whether or not you realize it or not. So we all at the, in the corporate worship service or whether it be with our families or our children um, or our neighbors or with our fellow church members, we are to be bringing the gospel word to one another. And as, as we have opportunity and as we have occasion, we may not be called to teach a class or to preach, uh, but we are all called to have this, this general ministry of the word um, as, as believers as well. But then, then lastly, um, the church's responsibility for the ministry of the word. And I've kind of thrown a few uh, basic things that I think kind of summarize what this is trying to get. First of all, the recognition of those who are called to have the word. So particularly pastors and gifted brethren, um, both instances, the confession here says the church is to recognize who those men are. And the church has a formal process whereby it calls and approves both of those types of men, the ordained pastors or those who are just recognized as gifted brethren. Secondly, they're to respect them. So to, um, uh, to look at them and to give them uh, respect uh, as, as preachers of the word who have been called and approved by the church. Um, thirdly, I've kind of throwing this in, it's not said there, but listen attentively. Robert Purnell, um, said this about listening attentively. He says, we are to endeavor to understand what we hear. Secondly, we are to believe what we understand. Thirdly, we are to treasure up and keep in memory that we do believe. Fourthly, to practice what we keep in memory. And fifthly, to communicate to others what God hath taught us. So that's how we listen uh, attentively, understand, believe, treasure, practice, and then share it. Um, and then lastly, the church's responsibility for the ministry of the word is to support it. That might be financial support or prayerful support or uh, whatever support that might be, particularly for pastors, but it also will be supporting gifted brethren who uh, have been called and approved by the church to, to preach the word or who are maybe also being tested to see if they might one day become pastors. We want churches to support um, those men and to help and pray for those men that they would be raised up to be able to serve the church of Christ and to be used as under shepherds. Um, because like Jesus says, um, in, in the gospel, the, the fields are white for the harvest. Um, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send many workers out into the harvest um, to, to, to gather in the souls um, that, that the Father has, has given to him. So that's the church's responsibility um, to the word. Is there anything, as we conclude and wrap this up, that you want to throw in or that we've missed um, about the ministry of the word before we wrap up? I mean, I just think, that place in the confession, <clears throat> that paragraph that we read, paragraph 10, just says it's incumbent on the churches to whom they minister not only to give them all due respect, but also to communicate to them all their good things according to their ability. 
so that they may have a comfortable supply without being themselves entangled in secular affairs. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, this whole idea of this, the ministry of the word that pastors are to have, I mean, it's inco- like he says there, or he, or who, you know, the people that wrote this, it's incumbent upon them to provide for that person, right? Yeah, no, we're just kind of, I was trying, we we're just trying to make up a joke about, you know, pronouns or whatever, but whatever. go ahead. Yeah, it's incumbent upon they, them uh, <laughs> to, to provide for their pastors. I mean, right. what, what we've been describing this whole time, that's not easy. No. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time to do that, to actually look yeah. at the Bible and find something other than just a list of rules mm-hmm. to give people. Anybody can look at it and find a list of rules. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's, in, it's actually in the church's best interest to provide... I think that's what a huge part of this paragraph is saying is provide for those mm. among you who are ministering the word to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's in your best interests mm-hmm. to do that. And it even says to provide comfortable, a comfortable supply. You know, I, we don't like talking about that, you know, but that's what this is saying here that the way it, it wraps up is just by saying that they who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, don't muzzle the ox. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I just think that's 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 kind of counter to a lot of what people are being taught nowadays, and a lot of people are being encouraged to go into bivocational ministry. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand why that's the case, mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of churches that simply can't afford to pay a pastor what it what it, they need to live comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, but m- my encouragement to to people would just be that you know support your pastor as well there there is a yeah and i think that's a good good reminder scott because while um bivocational ministry is necessary and good and difficult work yeah paul did it it, it, it's good and and um you know my father is a bivocational minister Mm -hmm. but on the other hand we want to be careful that we don't so exalt that to where we forget the that for many men that's also a, a that's also a detriment Mm-hmm. that to the ministry that could be yeah mm-hmm. um yeah. if in and if that's because a church just is saying you know because sometimes you know there it won't be said and our church is not like this i'm not so this is a good thing oh, our church is not, not like yeah. this yeah but there are some churches out there that think it's a good thing to keep the pastor poor mm-hmm. and to keep oh, him yeah. keep him dependent yeah. upon you uh so and that's that's not a good attitude either um to have for pastors we're actually very fortunate <laughs> with our context that our, our people are very, they share a comfortable amount with us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, to take care of us. So, but, but that's the reality. There are other churches out there that, that view pastoral ministry like that and just keep them poor and keep them needy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can keep them in under your control. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly that, that can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like, I, I think if you have, or if you're at a church, and your pastor is really preaching the word of God to you. And I know, I think the problem with saying that is I think every church is going to say that. Yeah. And it doesn't take long to listen to one message and be like, he's not, he's actually not doing that. Sure. Um, but if you're at a church where the, the guy is preaching the word of God to you, I think you should, yeah, you, you should take care of him because that is a lot of work. I, I feel like I have the skill and ability to go up in front of our congregation and speak for a half an hour with no problem. Easy. Right. I could, I could do that. I it, open a passage and I could probably wing it right for 30 minutes. And I think most of the congregation would leave me like, Oh, I wasn't bad. I wasn't half bad, but that's not really the task. Right. I, I need to study well. And that is what is hard. It, it, and it is, it is difficult. I don't view myself as a lazy person. I don't mind working. Um, I just told somebody today, there's times I would much rather go dig a ditch than dig into the Word of God to study it. I'd rather sweat. I'd rather work much longer hours with some physical work than sit here and study the Word of God because it's harder, in my opinion, for me to do that. Um, But when you find a pastor who's willing to do that work, to get in and to study and to try to be above reproach and then to try to preach well to you, you should take care of that person. You should love them. And I don't even just mean financially. I think you should care for them, respect them, love them, make it easy for them to love you well by preaching, right? Uh, Don't make it a difficult task on them to do that. That's what it says in Hebrews. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, Yeah. it especially says that. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, 
sadly, sadly, I just, I just don't think it's found that often anymore either. It's so, I feel like if you, if you pull up some random church on the internet and I get to look at their media page and we listen to the sermon, I think mm-hmm. there's a pretty good chance we're going to say this guy's not ministering the word very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are those out there who are, um, Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's hard to find mm-hmm. a really good faithful church in America all the time. Yeah. And so if you're lucky enough, fortunate enough, and blessed enough to be in one, you shouldn't take it for granted, you know, and you shouldn't complain about every little thing or whatever it might be. Be thankful where you're at, that you're being fed well, that you know you're being loved and cared for. Maybe not perfectly, but you are. And, uh, and honor that person, you know. And I think on the flip side, as you guys said a minute ago, if you're a pastor, part of a church who is doing that, you should let them know that and be thankful for it. Like you guys said, mm-hmm. you said you were thankful that the church is caring for you and not making you be poor. Yeah, and our our people need to hear that from us. You know, thank you for letting us serve you. Thank you for letting us study. You know, thank you <clears throat> for having these things in order. Thank you for caring for us. You know, I know, you know, you guys have people watch your kids in the church and do the, that's caring mm-hmm. for your pastors and mm-hmm. honoring them in a big way. And uh, so we we are thankful to have a have a church family uh, like that. It really is a it really is a blessing to be able to minister the word to people uh, easily. I would say out of love and yeah. true compassion for them because they reflect that back to you as well. Mm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's call it quits. I'm going to play the music, and then we're going to go. I'm going to mute everybody else first. All right.